ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, our assistant to the regional manager in our Queen Bee. It's a getaway edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. Day away. Day away. Well, two days away. From the Houston Texans playing a football game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's good, man. They did a little deep Defense dive on Tampa good. Bay. Like, we, I think we, not like you and I, like, we as a football population, those who like football in this country, in this city, um, we kind of forgot how good defensively Tampa Bay is. Yeah. They're legitimately, like, look at this, look at the names that this Tampa Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense has. White is really still very good. I haven't seen if they had an injury report come out, but, like, Vita Vea is apparently, like, questionable. If he doesn't play, that's a big loss, but they have, they have Vita Vea. They have Logan Hall go Cougs, who, who's a really good football player. Shaq Barrett, who's a stud. Levante David. Devin White, who I don't know why, but whenever they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, I was like, man, this guy is unbelievable. Because he probably is unbelievable. Antoine Winfield, who I'm pretty sure went to the Woodlands here in the Houston area. Did he play at Wisconsin? Antoine Winfield? No, Minnesota. Minnesota, that's right. I knew he was a Big Ten, yeah. but he he went to the Woodlands. I'm pretty certain he went to the Woodlands. It's Antoine Wingfield. Yeah, yeah, it's his son. Yeah. Uh, so, like, this is a team that's loaded defensively. Then you look at the offensive side of the ball, and it's like, okay, you know, they're not a team that scores a ton of points, but they have some weapons. They have Mike Evans, and a lot of people would love Mike Evans in Houston, right? Chris Godwin's a stud. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's okay. Rashad White is a running back. He's okay. But this Tampa Bay team, they're capable of being a playoff team. They're capable of winning the division now, kind of like the Texans can be in contention for a poor division, although Jacksonville is kind of changing the narrative on that. That Tampa Bay could be, you know, the tallest short person in a bad division. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've talked about it in other divisions in the past, but we know how bad this division looked at the start of the uh, of the season. And you look at it and say, I, dare I say, this team really goes how Baker goes. If Baker doesn't pee down his leg and, and commit a lot of turnovers and set the other team up for success, this team is fully capable of competing with most of the teams in the NFC because of most of the guys you mentioned. Because I'm a big fan of David and White. I just think those two guys can can, can create a lot of havoc uh, in terms of that defensive unit. And they've got really good corners. So I really like what they can do on the defensive side of the ball. Vita Vea was also questionable last week. He ended up playing. I expect him to play this week. But when you talk about those receivers, and yeah, the running game, isn't maybe what it once was, but I don't know that it was ever phenomenal. But it, it, it just really is about Baker Mayfield. If Baker doesn't screw it up and, and throw to the other team and or turn it over, this team can compete with most teams in the NFC. Yeah, it should be a uh, it should be a really good test for the Texans' offense. And Bobby Slowick, who's the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, he, he was talking to the the media yesterday. We'll get to some Matt Burke sound here in a little bit too. But um, Bobby was talking about. They know what they're good at. And I was starting to wonder to myself, do they? And then do we? Like, here, here was Bobby Slowick and what he had to say that kind of rung the bell upstairs for me. We know what we're good at. And we know when our big plays come. And we know when the defense sees when our big plays come. And you have to have enough offsets of that to take advantage and just 
make them not always worried about that thing you're good at so that you can get back to doing it. And I think that's always, that's always the challenge, you know, like, uh, it's, it was a challenge in San Francisco. It's a challenge here. I think it's a challenge for every offense. And, and we're going through that. You know, we, we've, oh, that's good enough. We've so Bobby Slowick talking about, they know what they're good at. What are they good at? 713-780-3776. Specifically, the, the, the Texans offense. Mm-hmm. 713-780-3776. If we were answering the question, because Sloan doesn't get into what they're good at, and I understand that you have to have offsets. If, if you believe that C.J. Stroud is by far your best offensive weapon, you can't throw it 60 times a game and run it zero times a game because you have to have offsets, right? You have to set things up. you got to keep the, bat, the defense off yeah. their, on their toes or on their heels. Uh, so I understand all of that. But he doesn't get into what they're good at. If you had to answer the question for Bobby Slowick from an offensive point of view, because they're going to be without Damian Pierce, according to Aaron Wilson, but you know that's always kind of questionable. Uh, they're going to be without Damian Pierce Sunday, according mm-hmm. to, to Aaron Wilson. Uh, they talk about how good Singletary is and how much they trust this running back room. We know the receivers. We know Stroud. We know the state of the offensive lines in despair. If you were to answer the question... What are the Texans good at? What would you say, offensively speaking? I, I said, first and foremost, the short, quick passing game. I, I think that that's where it starts for me. That's where we've seen defenses try to adjust to them. They want to take away that, that, that mid-level passing game. They want to try and take away as much of the short passing game as they can. They know that when C.J. Uh, gets rid of the ball quickly, they can be effective, whether that's a quick out and quick slants to Tank Dell or the fact that they like the crossing routes uh, that they like to throw with Collins and when Woods is available, uh, him as well. Um, I think that that's where it would start with me, that I believe that when they are in the intermediate routes and the quick passing game, they are at their best. I would say, I think that's the the answer that I would go with, too. Uh, You're probably a little bit more specific than I was going to answer it, but that's cool. Like, passing. Like, passing. Were they better at running the football? Are they better at passing the football? And you kind of dove into some areas where their passing game is better than certain areas of the passing game. Like, they weren't they weren't great this past week in shot plays, stuff like that. Carolina kind of takes that stuff away from you. Shot plays by just the nature of being shot plays are going to have a lower chance of right. succeeding than the routes that you're talking about. But I do think what you spoke about is Stroud's strengths. And Stroud, this offense in general, their best players are through the passing game. C.J. Stroud, I think, is their most talented football player that they have on this roster from a skill position point of view. Uh, Their best offensive player might be Laramie Tunsil. What does Laramie Tunsil do better? Run block, pass block. Pass blocking. Pro Football Focus put up a a figure where he's been the best pass blocker in the NFL since he's returned from injury. No surprise. Like There's a reason that he gets paid as much as he gets paid. Uh, Titus Howard playing out of position right now at a necessity. Now, I think it is a fair question to ask, should you move him around the offensive line to his more natural position? What is his strength? His strength is pass blocking, not run blocking. I don't know if Michael Dieter has a strength. Shaq Mason's so. solid either way. Like Fant, he's you know a, a guy. He's been good. He's, he was a good pickup, but he's just kind of a guy. And then if you look at the skill that they have, especially this week with Damian Pierce being out, Their running back room, Devin Singletary, solid, not great, not a top 25 running back in the world, but okay. Mike Boone has looked good in flashes, but you're not going to say that Mike Boone's a top 40 running back in the NFL. Uh, Dare, I don't even know how to say his last name because we don't talk about Dare. There you go. Thanks for having my badger. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was a badger. That's why you know it. Like He's not a top 100 running back in the world. But you look at the receiving target. And Dalton Schultz, like a good tight end, right? Except for run blocking, he's a better guy, a better tight end to go out and catch passes, run routes, things like that. 
The receivers are greater than the running backs. The offensive line strengths pass blocking, not run blocking. You have more talent whenever you're passing the football than when you're running the football. I understand that you have to have offsets, and I'm not calling for the Texans to throw it 75 times and run it zero. I'm not calling for the run and shoot back in the day. But the strength of this team is throwing the football. Mm-hmm. I hope that Bobby Slowick knows that. I think that he knows that. But I don't want to see the Texans, especially against a good defense, especially now that they're trying to get back up to 500, run the ball more than pass the yeah. ball this Sunday. Look, I understand that you're not going to give away your secrets and you're not going to talk too much when talking to the media about what you do well or what you plan on doing when you're getting this close any week, but when you're getting this close to playing an opponent. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist when watching the game film to know when they're successful, they're throwing the football. And he has great touch when throwing the football. So defenses realize that, and they want to try and take that away because they don't run the football well, though they force it a lot and try to run it a lot. And that's where things have to change. It's getting to the critical point in the season now where as good as you played early to impress some people and realize you might be more than just an afterthought in terms of the playoff picture, that this is a critical stretch where you have to take advantage of schedule and opponent, but also clean up what you haven't been able to do well, adjust, and and make the, the necessary adjustments so that you can put more points on the board and you're more effective moving the football. That's where it all starts. You and I have talked about this. They can't continue to just hammer the ball into the line or run the ball on first and second down. They have to do something differently. Why not do what you do well? Yeah, I and the injury report just came out mid-segment, and Damian Pierce has been ruled out. Okay. So it's, it's, it confirms what basically the tenor of our conversation was. And I'm not even sure Damian Pierce is the best running back for this team on this team. I'm not sure that Damian Pierce is better than Devin Singletary for this, for this particular team, team, for this scheme, for what they have going on. And I get that you know, you don't want to put a whole lot in the hands of a rookie quarterback. Uh, you don't want to overwhelm a rookie quarterback. But every single test that that C.J. Stroud has had, except for that S2 test, he's passed with flying colors. He, for game one, game two, the, every single test that he's had to face, he's passed with flying colors. What are the weaknesses of C.J. Stroud? Well, he can't handle the blitz. What are teams doing to him now? They refuse to blitz because he tears teams apart whenever you blitz. So it's time to, like... You know, not not to go crude with the old saying, but it's time to or get off the pot. Right. Like if CJ Stroud's your best offensive player, if your best offensive weapons are your receivers and maybe your tight end, if the strength of a lot of your personnel is the passing game, not the running game, well, it's time to be a passing oriented offense. If it, if it requires CJ Stroud throwing it forty times and you run it twenty times, so be it. Yeah. Again, I think at a certain point, as much as everybody is so analytically driven these days in terms of the you know. Know, any sport, but even as it relates to football, I don't care what the numbers say. I care what the scoreboard numbers mm-hmm. say and the yards numbers say. And the fact that if you're racking up yards, if you're moving the chains, if you're moving the ball down the field and you're scoring points, I don't give a rat's ass if you if you throw it 20 more times than you pass it. You do what you need to do to win football games, not look you know like cosmetically the prettiest girl at the dance. You need to make sure that you are cutting rug and you are getting points and you are successful at the end of the night. That's what the key is for this football team. Get points on the board, move the football, move the chains. Don't worry about if how balanced you are and making sure that you run it as much as you pass it. And what are they good at? 713-780-3776. They're pretty good at throwing the football. Running the football has been a 
a task all year long. Like, the Texans had over 100 yards this past week running the football. They had to run it over 30 times. Like, it has been a chore to run the football for this team. You have C.J. Stroud, who's a borderline top 10 quarterback right now. Throw the football. What are the Texans good at on the offensive end? 713-780-ESPN, our HRP listener line. Lots to get to today. James Harden's an idiot. Uh, DJ Enemy is not. He's going to be joining us in studio here at the top of the uh, 4 o'clock hour for a couple of segments. we got to give you winners. BZ Money, we got back on the winning. We've won every single week of the NFL season except for one. Uh, And then we got to beat Joe at who said it again, which is, I mean, it should be a layup, quite frankly. Uh, Joe's got to beat the deadline first and get it done. Yeah, yeah, I kind of figured. He's wearing a lot of hats today. Are you doing your show tonight? No, you're not doing your show. That's good. So he did. No, uh, we're doing wager and world at six tonight because, which I also have to do. Well, five star. That's good. Five star. That's that's good stuff. Um, I guess Josh is still being soft. Man in tights. Was he, he in the soft. Twitch today? Yep. Oh my goodness. Was he really? How do you have a day off and you're in the Twitch? Well, he's sick. He has nothing to do at home. No. If, if you're, I can if find something to do at home. And here's the other thing: if you're good enough to Twitch, you're good enough to radio. No. Yeah. No, so I don't Josh, want to hear. What Josh did Call is one in. of our what Josh did is one of all of our Twitchers. Oh, yeah, you should do. Just be on the phone for three hours. That's we can do a Comrex. We do plenty of remotes. We do, this yeah, show. we do lots of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want me to drive? Granado does it too. I mean, to drive the equipment to him. I mean, you can leave it I on mean, his doorstep. You're not going to catch the flu by his front yard. It's like an hour away from me. Yeah, this is, I don't know how I feel about all this. I don't know how I feel about we his have missing intern. days. I don't know how I feel about all this. But it's good to see that Josh was in the Twitch not working like all of the other Twitchers. Uh, all kinds of stuff to get to uh, today. You're not going to want to miss today's show. I, I didn't like something that Mac Burke said yesterday. I feel like I, I discussed it, John Granado, which is a... Uh, it's a sin I don't want to commit. 713-780-3776, our HRP listener line. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN, ESPN 97.5. I'm sure they're roasting us right now. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Brown, and we are the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about Doc Linville. Doc Linville, you've heard John Granado speak about him in the morning. I speak about Doc Linville and his staff uh, when we start our show, because of the fact that Doc Linville's the best in the best in the business at the Neograph procedure. If you don't know what that is, Granado and I have both have it have had it. It is amazing if you are suffering baldness, pattern baldness, thinning hair. Maybe your your hairline is disappearing in front, or you got a baboon's butt showing up on the back, up on top, and you don't think there's anything you can do about it. Don't try the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem and don't work investigate if the Neograph procedure is right for you. Go to 975hair.com right now. As an ESPN listener, you can set up a free consultation with Doc Linville's office, and you can get all the information you need on the Neograph procedure to see if you might be the next in line to reap the benefits of the procedure. It's phenomenal. It's your own hair. Doc explained it to me. Genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. So he takes some of it, puts it where you need it most, changes your overall appearance, your image, and with that gives you more self-confidence and a better overall feel when you look in the mirror. It's absolutely fantastic. Check it out today. Ask questions. Get answers. There's no obligation. No signing on the dotted line. No cash out of pocket. Just you getting information to find out if the procedure is something you'd like to try. It's fantastic. And the the, the cheat notes that I'm going to give you, the most important thing that changed my mind and made me do the procedure, 95 to 99% of those follicles that are moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. They ain't going anywhere because, again, genetically, you never lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. So check it out and see if it might be, might be right for you today. Go to my friends at Doc Linville's office. Go to 975hair.com. Back to the Killer Bees 
on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Do you remember Barry and Bell? 713-780-3776. Spencer's proven that he's a baseball casual. No question. Yeah, he's a casual. He's just a football guy. He's blank on Branham. 713-780-3776. They're showing uh, highlights from Thursday Night Football yesterday on this TV. That was an ugly game. It was. Well, yeah, I couldn't watch it. Especially ugly. I kept turning it off. It's terrible. I was watching basketball. I mean, I, I watched. I watched every snap because you know. Yeah, your boy. You, you know. You know. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, yeah, he looked really good in the first half. Looked really good in the first half, and then second half, he didn't look that good. And the play calling was awful. Well, awful. And that last throw. Yeah, but I mean, there was twelve seconds left. Right. You got to throw it like that's a that's a do like a an all in throw. That's like yeah, it's, you got to have a risk there. You got to throw it into the end zone. It wasn't it wasn't a great throw. There was other ones that were even worse that should have been picked and weren't. But that one, you got to throw it into the end zone. The fact that he got picked, whatever. Like I rather I rather you get intercepted in that spot than throw a check down pass and run out of time. Yeah. You know the numbers what I mean? weren't awful. It, it's, no, the numbers you know, were okay. Yeah, I mean, two sixty two and the completion. Yeah, sure, a little. Maybe you, you can nitpick it a little bit, but it wasn't awful. The uh, it was a tell of two halves. I, I thought he was pretty bad in the second half. Some of it play calling. I thought he was really good in the uh, the first half. The the state of the quarterback position though is the, in this division, mm, pretty good. Trevor yeah. Lawrence, pretty good. Anthony Richardson, if he ever stays healthy, pretty good. C.J. Stroud, bullish on C.J. Stroud. Le- Levis still has some things to work through, but looks like he's going to be the starter there for the rest of the season and. Maybe even longer than that. State of the uh, quarterback position in this division are are pretty pretty good. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. So I think that I uh, I disgusted the Godfather, which is you know never go against the family. And I think that I might have a little bit. Listen to the disgust in Granado's voice when he mentioned my name earlier this morning. Jeremy Branham. Ooh. Pretty disgusting, huh? No. You don't think that was disgusting, Joe? Do you think that was disgusting? No, that was. Joe, Blankers doesn't like to. Not, Blankers doesn't want to make Granado mad, which I understand. Who doesn't? I'm not. I'm not afraid of John. I, I think the, the, John has been a lot less mad than he was, say, when we were in a different time slot. Well, sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Okay. I, I never, and that's what that's 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 something that I never want to teeter. You don't want on. to get to that level, yeah. Of, and that's yeah, I know, that I don't nor anyone me. should. Right. But I, I heard disgust there. I think I think disgust I, is the right word. Disgust. Yeah. I think there's a level of disgust. Here was a here was another little part of John and Lance. This not the bench. John and Lance this morning uh, talking about this whole Will Anderson John Gernard thing. It's Jeremy Branham. <laughs> you forgot. Sounds the name. like there's a lot against Jeremy. No, nah, I got nothing against Jeremy Branham. But I'm kind of going to listen to the defensive coordinator, the guy who's doing this every day and mm-hmm. his, is evaluating it. now. Okay, so, I mean, I understand where John's coming from, wanting to listen to the defensive coordinator and not Branham, content creator, original influencer. But I've called as many defensive plays this year as Matt Burke has, right? <laughs> Pretty fair. How many defensive plays have you called this year? You Zero. Could, the same amount as Matt Burke. Mm-hmm. How many defensive plays has Joe George called this year? None. Same. We, the Killer Beast collectively as a show have called just as many defensive plays as Matt Burke. So just understand that. Just understand that. Now, if they want to try us, I'm sure we could give it a go. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I want no part of that. I like to be employed. Uh, that didn't work out well for the last 
drive time show that went up against John and Lance? No, no. Just I mean, if they want to try us calling play. Oh, I mean, we might be just we, as good we, as Matt Burke. I was going to say we might be better. Might be just as good as Matt Burke. Maybe even better. But here was the uh, here was what Matt Burke said yesterday that kind of started this little firestorm a little bit. And, and I, I I do take exception to what Matt Burke said here. A lot of people think I'm reaching. I want to run this by blankers to, to see if I'm reaching. But here's what Matt Burke said yesterday in defense of Will Anderson. Will's been impactful, man. He Again, I've said, I feel like I've said this a lot. I think he's already, as a rookie, one of the best run defenders on the edge in the NFL. Like He's powerful and violent set edges as good as uh, a lot of people I've seen in this league. So uh, and then the rush thing, it's just not not chasing sacks, you know, I mean not not getting frustrated. He affects the quarterback right now. He's close. He's pre- I mean his pressure rate's still really high. Um, and I think his challenge is not getting frustrated by, you know, the sack production again. You start chasing stats, it, it, it goes the wrong way. So I feel like last week, even though like his sack didn't end up on the production and everything else, that like those six sacks and all the pressures that we got, like he was a big part of that, of how he rushes. Again, we talk about rushing as a unit. And those guys, JG's not getting a sack if Will's not put press in the pocket to like push guys out that way, those sort of things. So I, I feel like I say the same thing every week. I feel great with where Will is and, and what he's been doing, and he is making a huge impact for this defense. All right, there was what Matt Burke had to say. Uh, what do you think about what Matt Burke had to say when you break down that little paragraph of words? I'm fine with all of it until the end, and, and I, I, I think I, I know where you're going with it, but at the same time, I felt like it was unnecessary at the end. I, I just feel like everything that he said to sing the pra- praises of Will Anderson, that's fine. That's fair. I mean, that's that's professional sports. I mean, you, you take a guy that high, and you make a move to get a guy it, it, that you that you are basically basing a lot of your future on, you're going to sing his praises. You're going to pump him up. That's the way sports works. But at the same time, don't do that and then in the process diminish some of the things that John Grenard has been able to do. I don't think that's right. I think that you know part of the reason why this defense has been somewhat of a surprise across the league and has been more effective than a lot of people thought is because there's more than one guy on that defensive side of the football that can play. And because of the fact that you have two guys that whether they get all the way home or not can be disruptive on the edge, it's beneficial. You have two guys in the middle of the line better than you had a year ago and beyond to where they can clog things up and even create pressure. And in the case of Malik Collins, get to the quarterback. So there's a lot of positives on the defensive side of the football. I don't know that it was necessary to kind of almost take a little of the shine off of John Grenard mm-hmm. by saying it was basically in part because of Will Anderson. That makes me feel a little bit better that, that it's not a reach, and I'm not the only one hearing that because I started to second-guess myself a little bit. I understand what Matt Burke is doing. I understand that I think why he's saying these words is because it's been a conversation, especially in the defensive meeting rooms, that we cannot let Will Anderson lose confidence. Because, look, they are measured by their sack totals and their tackles for loss and how many football players are looking at their pass rush win rate, how many football players are looking at their double team percentage, how many football players are looking at these next-gen stats that none of them know exist. None of them. So Will Anderson is a a competitive human being. 
is a competitive football player. He wants more sacks. That's great. A competitor. I want Will Anderson to want more sacks. I'm not saying that Will Anderson is bad. I'm not saying that Will Anderson hasn't been impactful, especially in the running game. I'm not saying that Will Anderson hasn't helped John Grenard get a couple of his sacks or that Will Anderson has helped other defenders get some of their sacks. But I can tell that the defensive minds in this organization have had the conversation that we cannot let Will Anderson lose confidence. And in a way to protect Will Anderson's confidence, we're going to talk about how great he's been even when other players have been good. So I'm good with almost everything that Matt Berg said yesterday. Uh, he helps us as a football team. He's great against the run. We, it's a team defense and you know everybody's needed to get sacks. The one exception and the one problem that I had when he was like, okay, well, some of the stuff that John Grenard's doing is because of Will Anderson. I feel like that was disrespectful. Like He didn't have to go that far. I'm not saying that he was doing it intentionally. I don't think he was doing it intentionally. I think the message behind what he was saying was to keep Will Anderson's confidence high, Mm -hmm. but by doing that, he demeaned slightly his own football player. And again, going to my podium 101s that I sometimes go to when we talk about organizations and how they handle, we all know that there are certain players that you can, you can coach, you you have to coach up and you have to be careful and you have to be a little fluffier with, and there's other ones that you can show tough love to. And every player is different, but you also know when you're handling things in the media that everything's going to be scrutinized, but also the right way to handle that would have been Follow up what you just said about the fact that John Grenard may have gotten a couple of sacks because of the fact that Will Anderson was doing what he was doing and say and vice versa. The fact is Will Anderson is getting a lot of pressures because John Grenard is doing what he's doing on the other side. And Mm -hmm. these guys as bookends are feeding off one another and they're both being effective, whether it shows in the sack total or not. They are doing a lot of the things that we need them to do. That's the proper way to handle that. And then all parties can just take a deep breath and be okay with it instead of having people in the media and otherwise that hear that go, wait a minute, why would you do that? I see, I I like that route. I think it would have been a better route than he took. I like the route of just not saying anybody else's name. Like, don't bring up anybody else. That's also fine. Will Anderson, great against the rush. Will Anderson's very impactful for all the sacks we're getting as a team. In a story, it keeps Will Anderson's confidence high. You're not slightly demeaning one other, like somebody else on your football team. And I went back and I looked at all these Grenard sacks, and like Will Anderson's helped on a couple. Well, there was one play where Will Anderson flat out took out his, it was the right guard for the Saints, flat out took him out, forced Derek Carr to step right into John Grenard. There's another sack where Will Anderson's not on the football field. There's another, there's three others where Will Anderson's not impactful at all. So, I didn't love that he mentioned Grenard's name whenever he was talking about all of it. And this isn't a Will Anderson sucks. This isn't a no. Will Anderson's a bust. I think Will Anderson's good. I think his ceiling is still very high. And I do think he's an impactful football player. But I do think John Grenard's a better pass rusher right now. Yeah, it, that's fair to say as well. Because you know you know how it goes. I mean, look, it, it, regardless of the sport, when you take a guy in the first round, and we know how gen- how hyper-protective general managers are across sports. When they've either acquired a player, drafted a player, signed a player, w- especially w- to a lot of money or with a high draft pick, they're going to give that player every single opportunity to succeed. And along the way, they're going to go out of their way to compliment said player mm-hmm. when they do anything even remotely like a positive. That's just the way sports works in the pros. That's the way general managers, because they know their butts on the line a lot with, with the picks they make or the guys they sign. And so you see it all the time. I saw it with the Rockets all the time. I can't tell you how many times that I had to hear and look to the side and, and go, oh boy, Sam Decker played his tail off. Demo was <laughs> phenomenal tonight. You know, the, the guys that you drafted in the first round that didn't succeed, but that they knew really a lot was riding on the fact that they would, 
they went out of their way to call out, and that that's a tough pill to swallow when you're the media and the fans. Yeah, I think that's what's in play here. I think they're trying to keep that Will Anderson confidence high because, look, you're, you're a defensive player, number three pick of the draft. You're an edge guy, and you have one sack through seven games. I bet you that is weighing on him. 713-780-ESPN. What are your thoughts on Will Anderson after seven games? Also, the plane lady has delivered the truth on what she was talking about when she said that, wasn't real. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at my bookie. I tell you about them all the time, but it's another big weekend coming up, and we know there's plenty of sports to bet on. We know that there is college football, pro football. You know the NBA is going full swing now. Whatever the sport, whatever the opportunity, if you want to put money down on it, it's probably available at mybookie.ag. They take care of you every step of the way. They're always taking care of their customers. They do things like odds boosts, same game parlays. You can take advantage of huge huge prize pool contests as well. Every single sack, fumble, and touchdown is another chance for you to hit a payday. To get started, go to mybookie.ag right now, as I always tell you to do, and never forget this promo code, BET975. Use it and immediately grab a deposit match up to $1,000. That's right. You go in and put 100 bucks in your account, they'll put an extra 100 in. That means you got 200 in your account. More money in your account means more games you can bet on, and, of course, more chances you can win. Once you're signed up, try the MyBookie money bag and grab all sorts of crazy long-shot odds. You can get odds like plus 7,000. It's unbelievable. Money bag bets for college football, NFL, NBA, every sport. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. And they've been in business for over a decade. So when you get in and put your money in, it ain't going anywhere till you want to take it out or you lose it on a game. It's absolutely a guarantee that they are going to be here, so they want you to know your money will be too. Get started at mybookie.ag right now. Use that promo code BET975. Get that welcome bonus and that match bonus and cash in before you even bet on a game. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. I like uh, 3864's positivity. Either way it goes, it's good that the Texans are getting good publicity. The last couple of years, no one was talking about the Texans. I like your positivity on a Friday. The arrow is trending up on the Texans. Um, here's one that Joe's going to love. It's from Zach. He says that Will Anderson is the same stat line as J.J. Watt to the point in his career. <laughs> that Joe loves that take. Hip Hip Jorge loves that it's take. Just a, I think it's a weird bar. You know it, who else? It means literally nothing. It means it's nothing. like the same people who are going to watch like Will Levis throw a ton of picks. Yeah. Peyton Manning threw a bunch of interceptions <laughs> in his rookie year. No, it's yeah. I was getting. Aikman was one in fifteen in <laughs> yeah. his first season. Okay, I was getting. Guys. A, I was getting a lot of tweets yesterday after Levis threw that interception in the end zone. And I'm like, mm, I mean, it's the second game. What do you want him to do? Check it down. Like he's got to throw it in the end zone there. You know who else has a similar stat line to Will Anderson through seven games in their NFL career? Trevon Walker. A- aside from JJ Watt, Trevon Walker. I was going to go with a Texans tie. Whitney Merciless. Whitney Merciless through seven games. Same stat line as. Uh, as Will Anderson. I, I, in, in fact, I'm going to do that every single time we get that line now. Well, the same stat line as J.J. Watt. Cool. Awesome. Thumbs up. Same stat line as Whitney Merciless as well, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Late bloomers, uh, not everybody gets it right away. Some people don't get it at all. 
I mean, the one that I always go to in terms of how long it might take for you to get it is a guy like Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups came into the NBA. He had multiple opportunities as a very, very, very high first-round pick to succeed, and he failed, and he failed, and he failed. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, the light went on. The team and the system were perfect. He, As a piston, he was phenomenal. But everybody, you know, kind of catches their peak and, and, and really starts to flourish at different times. And I hate to break it to you, not that I'm saying it's going to happen in this case, but there are guys where it doesn't happen at all. Yeah, I just, I I don't like the argument because I think that the fact that you can say, oh, his numbers are bad, but so are J.J. Watts. And not bad. Yeah, I don't think his numbers are bad. Bad's the wrong word. sacks are low. His sacks are low, so were J.J. Watts. Well, so were Whitney Merciless. So were all these other first-round picks. It's like, it's just, it's cherry-picking to the Mm -hmm. point where it actually doesn't help your argument. All it does is throw a random thing out there. I I use the Jalen Green comparison. They keep throwing on TV like, oh, well, he averaged the same amount of points that Steph Curry did. It's like, well, it means nothing. Yeah, but at least he's scoring those points. Like, it's a little different to me. Because it's different sports. Yeah, it's but also, like, he's accruing those points. Like, Will Anderson's accruing pass rate percentages and win rate. Yeah, scoring is more of a solid barometer of a guy that can succeed in in that league. I think, like, the the perfect cross-sport reference would be, like, if Will Anderson had this many sacks versus another player through this point, but, like, it's on leaderboards. Like, it'd be like if Jalen Green was a bad scorer in his first three years, and you're comparing him to, like, Jermaine O'Neal or Chauncey Billups. Like, well, yeah, but these guys were also really bad scorers. Like, at least when you're comparing Jalen Green to other good scorers, they scored a lot of points in their first three years. You're not doing that with Anderson. No, no, Jalen Green's, like, it's, like, 15 points per game. Like, it's low bar. That's not low. For for a guy that's been in the NBA for three years, yeah, no, averaging like, it depends on expectations. But like the, but no, the right, but just is... like for a for a three year oh, no. player in the NBA, averaging fifteen points per game is not a low bar. No, but like when you put Jalen Green on a screen with Steph Curry, or you put Will Anderson on a screen with JJ Watt, the, yeah. the impression that you're giving is that in three years they're on pace to be JJ. Will Watt. Anderson's going to be three time defensive of defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a misleading like comparison that you don't need to give like that's where like i i think jeremy like i think your point has been misconstrued on social media there's no doubt like it it, the point is is that people are that will anderson's playing good football but people are using every single stat in the world to verify why he doesn't have sacks and and, And validate and and validate but but it's 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 even gone beyond that now it's gone to the point where you're bringing down other people on his team to elevate him. And that's kind of what triggered me, to be completely honest. That's what triggered me with what Matt Burke had to say, that you're inventing things to defend Will Anderson when he's been a good football player. He's great against the rush. Yes, he is involved in the team sack aspect. Yes, he's winning pass rates. Yes, he's being double teamed at a decent percentage. But the moment, like that, you so all these things exist for Will Anderson. But the moment that you start to bring down somebody else to elevate that guy bothers me. So it bothered me when, oh, well, John Grenard's a benefactor of Will Anderson. Did you see the bull rush he had on Icky Akunwa? He ran right through him. It didn't matter if there was another guy on the field, period. What John Grenard did in that moment did not require the help of literally anybody. So the moment you throw it, well, Anderson's helping him on all these sacks. No, he's not. Go watch the film. It, it, it literally is like there's two different angles on this, and the one angle is, you know what? If you don't have any, if you don't have anything nice to say anything about him, don't say anything at all, right? Just you know, if you feel obligated that you have to pump up and build up Will Anderson, 
then that's fine and dandy and you can go do that. But in the process of doing that, if you, whether you realize that you were doing it or not, you actually take away from another one of your players that's playing really well, that's not the right way to go about your business. And that's not the right way to get the right attitude and culture in your locker room either, because guys notice and we saw it yesterday and it matters. And, you know, different, every situation is different, but it's one thing to pump up a guy for whatever the reason. Just don't drag the other guy down. It's not the greatest comparison as it relates to this, but it's just as it relates to sports. We saw Dusty go out of his way over and over and over again to pump up Maldi, even if it was about whatever pitcher did, whatever they did, or whatever sacrifice bunt he made or whatever. That's fine and dandy because we know that he loved him some Maldi. But at the same time, don't put down Yiner while you're pumping up Maldi because it's counterproductive. And whether you realize it or not, there's ramifications to that sometimes. And you just want to stay away from those kind of things. Yeah. seven one three seven eight zero espn Poncho on the Twitch says uh, Jadavian Clowney. Eh, that's not great. Jadavian Clowney does have three and a half sacks this year. Three and a half times more than Will Anderson. And the pass rush rate is similar. The double team rate is pretty similar, too. Uh, did, you, uh, did you see this from the airplane lady? What's her name? Tiffany Gomez? She's that the uh, lady that went nuts. Oh, the plane lady, yeah. Yeah, and then plane got lady. all dolled up to apologize or explain. Yeah, it. and yeah. she's she's like a, an influencer all of a sudden. Mm. Uh, she was on with Barstool. <laughs> like Barstool is the one who I guess ponied up the appearance fee for Tiffany Gomez. I thought she'd be like on Good Morning America. I thought she would be on like a daytime television. The fact that Barstool was like the first exclusive for Tiffany Gomez is unbelievable to me. I couldn't believe it. But uh, she did bring some truth to the like what she saw, what happened on that airplane. Here was Tiffany Gomez with Barstool Dudes. Can I ask again what you saw? Yeah. You know, the reason why I probably haven't come out yet, because it's like so cringe, um, I did not see anything. What? I mean, I think y'all knew that. Okay. <laughs> I We honestly had no idea. Yeah. You said you did. No, I did not. You said this is not real. I said that is not, not real. These or okay. They, like apologies. Mm. Yeah. So I <laughs> got in a bit of an altercation. It spiraled out of control. It was not my best moment. Yeah. I mean, it was actually a horrible moment. It's absolutely mortifying. So Everyone has bad moments on planes. Yeah, but mine. You know, four hundred fifty million plus people have seen it. That's the part right there. That's the part right there. It amazes me. That this lady got the appearance fee from Barstool of all places. You think she got an appearance fee? No doubt. No doubt. I think that's why she was silent forever. I think it's why she disappeared for two months and, like, boosted up her social media. Like, go look at her social media. She didn't have a single post prior to, like, her release. Go look at, like, her Instagram, all of this stuff. I think she's being an influence. And she's, she's doing ads on Twitter. She's doing oh ads. So there's no doubt about it. She is now a social media influencer. There's no doubt in my mind that she got an appearance fee. From uh, from Barstool. But, like, she yelled at somebody on a plane. She got arrested or sent out of the airport or whatever, escorted out of the airport. She's become a social media influencer, and nothing really happened other than she had an altercation with somebody on the on the plane that made her mad and made her now she's making off the plane. Now she's then, making probably more money than she could have yeah. ever dreamed of by doing having done absolutely nothing. And she doesn't really even say anything. Well, I don't really want to get into things, but lots of people know who I am now. Sounded like she really thought everything out, and she knew she's done it. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think you should try it. You should try to get kicked off a plane. See if you. Oh, can I don't have it. to try hard. I bet you I could do it. Social I just don't know that I really <laughs> want to do it. Uh, yeah, let's see if you can be an influencer, social media influencer. Yeah. Uh, 
Unless I got to see the checks. I got to see what the payday might be first. Yeah. I bet you she's getting paid quite a bit. I, I bet, bet you she's getting paid more now than she was pre this. You mean from her job? Yeah. She, which I mean, she, apparently she was like some sort of like real estate designer or something. She's making more than that? I think I don't think there's any doubt she's making more money now than she was before this. I think she's making more money, but is she making more than she would have making from her, her job? I have no doubt. Really? I think she's making heavy six, six figures. Six really? Maybe even close to the million-dollar range. I didn't think it would be that much. I think she is. 713-780-ESPN. Speaking of making you money, it's what the killer bees do to you. Uh, we give you our picks for the NFL Week 9 coming up. Beezy money. What are the bees' picks? And you got to follow us too. You got to you got to tell us because you'll make some money. 713-780 ESPN Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 ESPN 92.5. All right. It's time for you to see how easy it is to take these guys money. Are you threatening me? Let's get to their picks on BZ Money. Spence doesn't know what he's talking about. Slow your roll, Spence. It amazes me how little Spence knows. Uh, we were 3-3 three and three last week, but we had a winning week. We won $10, won our big money game. So it was, I mean, peanuts, but still better to be in the black than the red. Now, it's good that we don't do the whole vig because that probably would have killed us. But we're up over $1,000 on the year. $1,045. We started with $1,000 of Mr. Gow's money. We've doubled that for 24 16 and one on the season. And the good times are going to roll on this week. Blanker's going to get us started with the game that we need to bet. Yeah, I'm going to go right away to the to the uh, scene of the crime where the Texans could not do what was needed to be done a week ago. That's Carolina. The Carolina offensive line is awful. Indianapolis comes in, and their defense uh, can be pretty good. It can be better than average. It can do some things. Uh, and and I, I don't know that I've ever saw, thought about this before, but I'm going to take Gardner Minshew as an experienced NFL quarterback along with a healthy Jonathan Taylor and a healthy running game uh, against a defense that looked good on the pass rush, but I'm not so sold on the fact that they're going to continue to do the things they did against the Texans and be effective against a team that has the talent of the Colts. It's only a two-and-a-half game spread, a two-and-a-half point spread. I know Carolina at home getting two-and-a-half. Uh, looks good on paper. I think Indianapolis wins this game by five or six points. Yeah, this is – I hate this week. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and preface this whole segment by saying I hate every single game on this slate. This might be the fewest amount of games that I've played all year. Like, Vegas is starting to figure it out. Like, every single over-under I want, every total I want, I can't play because it's too tight. Every single spread I want, can't play because it's too tight. Um, I like this one. Uh, this it wasn't very big. Like I have Indy winning by four. Carolina's getting two and a half. I use, I stay away from games that are that tight. But if I had to play one side of it, I'd play the Colts side of it. So I'm cool playing it. I, I don't want it to be very very many units. I'm good with playing this one as well. I think Indianapolis wins this game. I think Carolina was kind of fluky last week, and the Texans just played a bad game. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to really show who they really are in this one. So I'm good with 25 on. Uh, That's Indy. fine. Yeah, I'm cool with 25 yeah. on this one as well. Um, first game that I want to sell to you, to see, really the maybe the only game I feel good about, and I still don't feel good about it because I really don't know the health of one Matthew Stafford. They list him as questionable with a strained UCL. Could be thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, but they, they listed his UCL on the injury report. But it's like his thumbs, the yeah, thing he came that's off bothering. the field yeah. holding it. Like, so it, it, that concerns me. This is not a – I mean, I played this game, but it's, again, very, very small stakes that I played on this game. 
I like to take advantage of bad football teams, and I'm sorry, Blankers, but the Packers are a bad football well, you're team. You don't have to be sorry to me because I'm the one that tells you. And the Rams are getting points. The Rams are getting three points. And I understand it's at Lambeau. I don't know what the weather is going to be. I really don't care because I don't think Jordan Love's good, and you were all over that whenever I thought he had a chance. I like to take advantage of bad football teams. This is a bad football team that's getting points. Yes, they're at home. I like the Rams in this game over Green Bay. Get three points. They're a better football team. Now, Stafford's injury stuff does make me a bit nervous on this one. Yeah, look, uh, from the standpoint, you're not going to get any argument from me. Uh, the Packers, uh, they're they're way better on defense than they get credit for. But, however, when their offense is as bad as it's been all year and it all starts and ends with Jordan Love, they're not going to do a whole lot, and they're not going to score a whole lot of points, and he's going to throw it to the other team, which he's been very, very good at, and the stats back that up. I have no problem backing the Rams in this game. All right, Joe, can we get on board? Keith from L.A. is loving this right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll let you guys decide the total on this one because I would have been a no just because I don't know who the quarterback is. Well, I think Stafford's going to play. The question is how healthy is Stafford? Yeah. But it seems like he's going to play. I-, I want small stakes. I don't feel good about yeah, any I'm of I'm good with small stakes as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with Rams 25. All right, Rams 25. All right, what do you got here, Joseph George? All right, first one I got, I like. I think the Seattle-Baltimore game is really interesting this weekend. Two first-place teams in their division. Baltimore's played good, but they haven't played great. I think the same goes for Seattle. Uh, I think this one's a close game. I think Seattle loses, but I think they lose by less than six points. I think it's a field goal game, so I like Seattle plus six. I hate that number. Yeah, me too. I really hate it because I think Baltimore's going to win the football game, but are they going to win it by a touchdown? See, I, I, I can I, easily I see them winning by a field goal. I have them winning by a touchdown. This is like, yeah, I don't feel good about this one. Yeah, I, I think Baltimore wins this game by seven, and I it could go either way. It could be a three-point game. It could be a seven-point game. That's why Vegas is good. Uh, I don't feel comfortable about this one. It's a long travel, too, for Seattle. Like It's pretty much a coast-to-coast travel. Uh, if it was seven... That's a little different story because it's, you know, one possession game. I could see Seattle losing by seven. I have. The Brian metrics have Baltimore winning by seven. This is a stay away from me. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from it, too. I, I thought Baltimore would win by a field goal. Yeah, there you go, Joe. Joe's getting all cute. He's ready to type down the bet, the rundown. Uh-uh. We're not playing it, Jose Jorge. All right, what's your second one, Blanker? Second game for me is the Chargers at the Jets. Uh, the Jets, to me, as good as they can be on defense, I, I just I, I really don't think that Zach Wilson's going to do a whole hell of a lot. Um, I think the Chargers are starting to figure some things out. They haven't looked great, but I think that they are going to you know be f- effective enough. It's three. The Jets three and a half at home is one thing, but we also like some action on the last game of the uh, the weekend as well. If I'm going to go either way on this game, I think the Chargers are going to win this game by four or more. I have the Chargers winning by four. Uh, it's a game that I stayed away from because it's three-and-a-half-point spread. Jets getting three-and-a-half at home. Jets' defense is going to keep them in football games. Their offense is playing a little bit better, and I hate betting on Brandon Staley. It's a long travel. You're going from one coast to the other. Now, it is a Monday nighter, so you feel like maybe you get an extra day, although I don't know their travel plans. I don't know when they're traveling. I'm okay, small stakes. It's a game that personally I stayed away from. Yeah, I'm good with small stakes on this one. And we get a Monday night sweat, which is yeah. something we like to right. do. So, yeah. 20 or 25? What do you yeah. want to do, 25? Yeah, 25. Okay. We'll go to $25. Right. Uh, second game, I don't even know if I want to play this game. Like, I was struggling this week. I want to sell to you guys, and this might be silly, uh, I'm going with another favorite of favorite of one of the killer bees. Joe's favorite team is the Bears, even though he doesn't want to admit it. Depends on the day of the week. I like the Bears plus eight and a half against the Saints. I feel like that's too big a number. I don't think the Saints' offense is very good. The Bears are very helter-skelter. I understand that. I think it's badging. I know it's badging this week. Fields isn't going to play. 
Eight and a half seems very, very big to me. I feel like Chicago keeps it within a touchdown. I like Chicago plus eight and a half in the Big Easy. I don't feel good about it. It makes me gross to say it. But I'm going Bears plus eight and a half. Joe, I'm going to defer to you for first comments on this because I think you've been realistic about your favorite team the way I have with the Packers. I, I actually, I, I'm I'm good with Chicago in this game plus eight and a half. I Part of it, though, is that I just think New Orleans is not good. Like, Montez Sweat's going to play this weekend. Jalen Johnson is upset he didn't get traded. He doesn't like that he didn't get a contract. But he wants to say he's the number one cornerback in the NFL. He's wrong. But there's something to prove, and Derek Carr is not good. So I think this is a ugly, ugly, low-scoring game where, honestly, Chicago might not score a touchdown, but I think they cover the 8.5. I think they cover the 8.5. Okay. Well, then you guys got to figure it out then. I don't have to say any more than that because we've got two – again, obviously not a big number, but I'm totally cool with it. Yeah, this feels gross. Feels gross playing this game. But it's a 25-er. Yeah, it's definitely a 25-er. All right, what do you got? All right, I think this one's going to be the big one on Sunday night, and it's the game that I like the most this weekend. I know Buffalo is a good team, but I think Cincinnati's rolling, and I, I think Cincinnati is going to prove that they are right now the best team in the AFC, even though the record doesn't show it. They're playing like it. I like Cincinnati minus two. <laughs> hate that number. I really do. It, it, what number would you like? <laughs> I mean, look, there, like you just said, there are numbers week to week that you just look at and go right away. Oh, yeah, that that one I can definitely go with. I, I like that number. I, I don't like this number because I think this is going to be what everybody is hoping it's going to be. I think Buffalo has a lot to prove still. I think that Cincinnati, obviously, because of the hole that they dug for them, er, themselves early, are, are consistently trying to win, You know, keep keep it rolling. I look forward to watching this game. I don't really like throwing any money down on it, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let you do it. I have Cincy winning by three, so I'm cool with a very small bet. Plus, it's the Sunday nighter, so it's a standalone game that we can sweat. Mm-hmm. I think the Bengals, this is one of those games where I feel like Burrow's just cool in big games and beats Josh Allen, who's going to turn it over three times. Like This feels like a Josh Allen three-turnover game. They lose in prime time against another AFC contender. I feel like this is the opportunity for Josh Allen to do the exact opposite because that first Monday night game, he was absolutely horrid. Mm-hmm. And I think that he could take the game over. And what just dawned on me, by the way, when you were talking? This is the DeMar Hamlin yeah. game. Yeah, he's been doing some media stuff. He? saying he's not um, he's not shying away from it, all that. And he's back to the scene of the crime. I mean, it's yeah. in Cincinnati, right. too. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'll let so you guys weird. work it out if you want to put it on Cincinnati. Right, Twenty-five. Bunch of low ones this week. Bunch okay. of, yeah, I don't feel good about this slate. I'll be honest with you. I, I feel. Really but I think bad we're doing the sensible slate. thing. I don't think. I think we are. Yeah, we're I think that's wise. the right way to handle. Now, maybe we played too many games, but maybe that's good because maybe we can like you know go three and two or something yeah. like that. Squeak out another one where at least we come out profitable. And it was smart of us if we were going to cancel out one game that we canceled out one of Joe's. For sure. Uh, I thought I about that, that for sure. Smart. I thought he was yeah. actually going to tell us to bet the Texans. All right, DJ Enemy covers the Houston Texans for ESPN.com. He's going to join us for the next 30 minutes. Everything that you need to know about the Texans, 713-780-3776. If you have some questions for DJ as well, it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.